Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about the program, podcast, and our thank you gift, the book Tactics, when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael and his second teaching, diving into 1 Corinthians chapter 13 about true love. Would you grab your Bible or if you have a device that you're going to open, open up your Bible, 1 Corinthians 13 is what you want. 1 Corinthians 13, once you get there, I'm going to ask those of you who are physically able to stand with me as we will read the chapter. I don't think we can read this too many times, would you agree? So let's, let's stand to our feet. Once you've located it, stand up and uh, 1 Corinthians 13, let's read the chapter together once again. It's just so beautiful and we just need to hear it. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, 1 Corinthians 13, 1. But do not have love, I've become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all my possessions to feed the poor, if I surrender my body to be burned but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I also have been fully known. But now faith, hope, love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. You know, of all the, the beauties in life, I think children are uh, beautiful to watch, to see their childlike faith, to uh, see their trust in those who are in their lives is wonderful, and it's always a terrible thing when that gets taken away or robbed. But one thing that Paul does say here at the end of the chapter in verse 11 is that it's time to grow up. And there is a negative in children that we see very early on. They can be very what? Selfish. Uh, in fact, uh, we don't have to teach them to be selfish. They just naturally seem to come by it. It's one of the uh, uh, offshoots or consequences of the fall the Adamic nature in us, or the nature of Adam and Eve in us, specifically the nature of Adam, passed along, and uh, we can see selfishness. In verse 11, you may want to just consider that when Paul is writing 1 Corinthians 13, he is writing it as a corrective. You could say, you could say this, that love is the ultimate corrective 
to everything that ails us in life. All the brokenness in our world, all the division in the church, every broken relationship, marriage, division in a family, hurts, wounds, you name it, can be healed by what this chapter says. This chapter is not hard to understand. Would you agree? It's just hard to apply. Amen? It's not difficult to understand what Paul is saying. The question is whether you and I are willing to do what the Bible is saying. And that's the rub for all the Christian life, is it not? That we can read the Word of God, we can, we can have understanding of the Word of God, but if we don't apply it, if we don't love like we're supposed to, then really we have failed. We have stayed in a childlike state, if you will. Childlike faith is important, but we have to move on from being selfish. You know, when I was considering the uh, true love in this series that we're doing together as we've moved all the way through 1 Corinthians and now we've landed in ch chapter 13, I couldn't help but thinking of love songs. There's a whole genre of love songs. All of you probably have your favorites, right? And since I'm a little bit older, I think of love songs from back in the day, 70s and 80s. And one love song I, think, I thought of was the Bee Gees, How Deep Is Your Love. How many of you remember that song? came out in 1977 at the end of the year. It was number three, I think, in the United Kingdom. It topped the top 100 in the United States. And the Bee Gees uh, sang these words. This is kind of midway through the song. He says, How deep is your love? How deep is your love? I really mean to learn because we're living in a world of fools breaking us down when they all should let us be. We belong to you and me. He says, I believe in you. You know the door to my very soul. You're the light in my deepest, darkest hour. You're my savior when I fall. And you may not think I care for you when you know down inside that I really do. And it's me you need to show. And then they sing, how deep is your love? <laughs> how they got to that level in singing. I really need to know. Anyway, so it was a guy band, but they had high voices. Anyway, do you hear the question in there? The question is, how deep is your love? And then he says, I really need to learn. I want you to show me. And I think that that is what Paul is essentially saying. He's saying to the Corinthian church, you could have all these incredible spiritual gifts, you could do, do all this amazing thing, stuff in the name of Christ or religion. But if you don't have love, you're nothing. We all long for love. We all have our list of songs maybe that we enjoy. The kind of love we encounter in 1 Corinthians 13, I've told you, is true love. But the question I think we're all asking is, is this kind of love attainable? Because we live in a world where we get often disappointed. We can feel like we haven't been loved well, or we can even feel like our love has grown cold for others. Some of you may remember Whitney Houston with her amazing voice belting out a song originally written by Dolly Parton. And she sang, I will always love you. And no, Pastor Michael will not attempt <laughs> to hit those notes. <laughs> But do you remember her belting it out? Amazing voice. So beautifully, I will always love you. But do you know 
That song was written by Dolly Parton originally, and the song, ironically enough, is about parting ways. It's about parting company with someone over years of relationship and telling them as you walk out the door, I will always love you. And some of us have gone through that as well, where something has broken up. Maybe we didn't want it. We still feel a love in our heart, but maybe we don't have the same opportunity that we had before. And we ask the question when Paul says love never fails, maybe some of you say, really? Because I've seen it fail over and over again. But what you've seen fail is not God's love. What you've seen fail is an attempt at love from a worldly perspective. And that's a little bit of what we're going to dig out as we talk about love. Now, let me remind you of just a few foundational things. Number one, from the New King James Nelson Study Bible, they write, God's love is self-originating. God loves the world because of what and who he is. One common word for love in the Greek language was eros, which suggested physical sexual desire and not much else. Another word, philos, suggested the esteem and affection found in a casual friendship. Because neither of these words came close to describing the kind of love Paul wanted to communicate, he chose a relatively rare Greek word for his definitive passage on love. This word is agape or agape. It describes a love that is based on the deliberate choice of the one who loves rather than the worthiness of the one who is loved. This kind of love goes against natural human inclination, close quote. Great commentary by David Garland. He says these words about agape or agape love. He says, love or agape always provides proof. Love puts itself on display. Romans 5, 8, God put his love on display at the cross. So much so that it would be necessary to translate agape, says Garland, as a demonstration of love. That is why this word is used to describe the love of God. It's the love that puts itself on display. And the definitive display of that love was, of course, at the cross. Some of you may be here this morning and maybe you would say honestly, if you did a love assessment, if you were to look at your relationships and even your relationship with God, maybe you would say, maybe I've forgotten how to, lo how to love. Maybe my love has grown cold. Can I learn to love again? And my answer is yes. Undoubtedly, yes. You can learn to love again. You can make a decision to love again because I told you that agape love is not so much a feeling. We all love the feelings of love, but you know, you all know that feelings ebb and flow, right? One day we feel something, the next day we, mo we, we may not. One moment we feel something, the next moment we may not feel those same feelings. But agape love or agape love is a decision that we make. And the good news for Christians is that we have God's help to make the decision. God has commanded us to love. We are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second commandment is like it. We are to love our neighbors as ourselves. That's a command. But the good news for the Christian is that we have the Holy Spirit to help us live out love. God gives us the command, but he also gives us the power. So we pick it up in verse 2 of 1 Corinthians 13, as Paul writes, And if I have, 13 to the gift of prophecy. Remember, 
1 Corinthians 13 is sandwiched between two chapters on spiritual gifts, and Paul will go back to three that he named earlier in chapter 12. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Our mission here at Walk in Truth is to equip you with the Word of God and to give you the tools to express your Christian faith. But how do you initiate conversations effortlessly? Walk in Truth and Pastor Michael Lance would like to offer you the 10th anniversary edition of Tactics. You don't have to be in a situation where you constantly feel like you're on the defensive. You can use questions strategically to let somebody defend their own views and ask them why they believe what they believe. It's really an incredible, life-changing approach to witnessing. We are offering the book Tactics as a thank you when you give a donation of $20 or more to Walk in Truth. Visit walkintruth.com, click the donate button, or call 844-48-TRUTH. You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Hey, Shane Lance here, and I wanted to take a quick moment and encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer. This is a quick read from Scripture with a little bit of commentary, and it's a great way to keep you growing in your walk with the Lord. In our crazy society right now, with all the things we jam-pack into our schedule, I'll be the first to admit that sometimes it's hard to find time to study God's Word. But it is so important as we grow in our relationship with the Lord to study His Word. It's such a vital aspect to our walk. You can text Step Closer as one word to 33222. Again, that's Step Closer as one word to 33222. We really believe here at Walk in Truth that this can be a great instrument in helping you grow in your relationship with the Lord. So once again, we'd encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer, and you can text Step Closer as one word to 33222. Make sure you subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast available on your favorite podcast app. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Maybe my love has grown cold. Can I learn to love again? And my answer is yes. Undoubtedly, yes. You can learn to love again. You can make a decision to love again because I told you that agape love is not so much a feeling. We all love the feelings of love, but you know, you all know, that feelings ebb and flow, right? One day we feel something, the next day we, mo- we, we may not. One moment we feel something, the next moment we may not feel those same feelings. But agape love or agape love is a decision that we make. And the good news for Christians is that we have God's help to make the decision. God has commanded us to love. We are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second commandment is like it. We are to love our neighbors as ourselves. That's a command. But the good news for the Christian is that we have the Holy Spirit to help us live out love. God gives us the command, but he also gives us the power. So we pick it up in verse 2 of 1 Corinthians 13. As Paul writes, And if I have, 13-2, the gift of prophecy. Remember, 1 Corinthians 13 is sandwiched between two chapters on spiritual gifts. And Paul will 
go back to three that he named earlier in chapter 12. If I have the gift of prophecy, another spiritual gift. If I know or understand all mysteries, musterion is the Greek word there, and all knowledge, the word of knowledge was a gift we saw in chapter 12, verses 8 through 11. If I have all faith, that was another gift in chapter 12, so as to remove mountains, mountain-moving faith, but do not have agape, do not have love. What's your Bible say? I am nothing. I could have these gifts, and certainly we'd have to argue that in the Corinthian church, the gifts seemed to abound. They did not lack in spiritual gifts, as we saw in chapter 1. The issue was not the gifts. The issue was the motivation behind the display of gifts. What, why is it that you engage that gift at that moment and what is your motivation for the gift? We learned a big principle, that is, that gifts are to be edifying to the body of Christ. And so Paul will pause from his premise on agape for a moment in verses 2 and 3 to give us another side, to take a look at this. We said agape is action, but what if action is devoid of love? We've all seen it before. What if action is loveless? If the target is action or spiritual gifts in service of others motivated or driven or empowered by love, if this is true love, what happens if someone does the action but it doesn't have love as its foundation? What happens if someone does it for show with 20 strings attached? Have you ever come to the realization that somebody did something but it wasn't out of a pure motive it was to get something out of you. Or you realize when you read the fine print that they didn't do this out of pure motivation. They did this because they wanted to catch you in something else or get you to do something else. How many of you have signed up for something, you know, somebody uh, offers a free trip or a free cruise and then you realize what you got yourself into? Two hours of having to watch something about they're, they're going to sell you this or that. There is no such thing as a free lunch, right? It seems in the world that there's always a string or multiple strings attached. But it should not be so in the body of Christ. When Peter was restored by Jesus on the seashore in John 21, three times Jesus said to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Peter said, Lord, you know that I love you. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep, then tend my lambs. Hear the words. Jesus first asked, do you love me? You've been telling me you love me. Okay, you say you love me. Now do this. I want love to be the foundation and action to follow the love. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know that I love you. Then do this and do it out of love. Constantly, Jesus had to address the disciples on their hardened hearts and they're jockeying for position and their lack of love. I mentioned to you that when you look at the verses, you'll notice that Paul says in verse 1, if I speak with the tongues of angels. Verse 2, if I have the gift of prophecy. Verse 3, if I give all my possessions to feed the poor. Commentators have pointed out that we need to note that Paul is being autobiographical. That is, Paul is applying the arguments to himself. In chapter 11, verse 1, he said, follow me as I Follow Christ. And it is certainly true that a lot of us have seen bad examples of love, in quotes. 
We've watched people walk out the door. Some of us deal with abandonment issues. Some of us have lived in broken relationships. And now we're trying to understand what love really looks like. And we've heard the world's message. And we've seen it even in the church fail us. What do we do now? Well, Paul says, look, if I, he applies it to himself. And so can I ask you and me to start with us? We can look at everybody else and question their motives. Paul says, if I speak with the gift of tongues, and I mentioned last week that Paul had that gift. As we see in chapter 14, he spoke in tongues more than them all. But Paul says, if it's without love, if it's not compelled by love, it's nothing. Write this down for your notes. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15 says, for Christ's love compels us, controls us, New American Standard because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he, Jesus, died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. We love because he what? He first loved us. That is our motivation. Our Lord, the one that we claim to follow, first loved us, not because we were worthy of His love. He loved us while we were yet sinners, while we were yet enemies of God. That's when He loved you. And I took you to a few passages in the Gospels last time where Jesus says, if you only love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Everybody does that. I want you to be different. I want you to win the world by being different. This is a personal love. It's compelled by love. And it is Paul saying, if I did this, if I did that, but didn't have love, I'd be nothing. Notice some of the language in verses 2 and 3. Notice the emphasis on the word all. If I, if I know all mysteries, the deep things, the Corinthians were in love with this idea of secret knowledge and mysteries. If I had, verse 2, all knowledge, if I knew everything, had all the knowledge that there is to know, if I had all faith, if I had such extreme gifts to know all mysteries, all knowledge, all faith, if I had mountain-moving faith but did not have love, I would be what? Paul says I would be bankrupt. I would be nothing. I would have no substance. Imagine for a moment having these gifts so imbued upon you that you knew everything every deep spiritual truth. You, you knew all of the stuff that has to do with word of wisdom and word of knowledge. Imagine that you could walk around like Jesus and know people's thoughts and people's motives. You could know what they were doing and why they were doing it. You could look inside their soul. Imagine that kind of ability. Imagine if you had the faith so that you could say in a moment, move mountain, and it obeyed you. Paul says, if you could do that, but you don't have love, you're nothing. Nothing. You're listening to True Love 2, Part 1 on Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 2 and 3. We would really love to hear from you, so please send your comments or questions. Contact information is on walkintruth.com, or you can call and leave us a brief message at 844-48-TRUTH. Again, you can visit walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH during normal business hours. 
thanks for reaching out. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Sometimes we may make a false dichotomy between telling people about their sin and showing them love. You know, it's really not an either or. One of the most loving things that we can do for people is speak the truth in love. That could apply to a wayward Christian, but it also can be a life-giving reproof to someone to consider their destiny who's wrapped in the chains of their own sin. And so there's really a place for both, and love should drive both of them. Now, I want to encourage you. We have a book that we've been offering. It's called Tactics, and it's along the same line of how do I get from a normal conversation to a spiritual conversation? Well, in Greg Kokel's book, Tactics, it's a 10th anniversary edition, new and expanded, that we're giving away for the $20 donation and above to help us continue to reach out with the truth. Greg's book, Tactics, will help you build a conversation, a bridge from a conversation to the spiritual using questions. It's really a great approach. It's a very thoughtful, um, non-threatening approach to ask people about what they believe, why they believe it, how did they come to that conclusion, strategically using questions tactically. The book Tactics for your donation of $20 or more to the ongoing ministry of Walk in Truth. We deeply appreciate it. We want to send it as a thank you when you give a donation. You can visit walkintruth.com to donate. That's walkintruth.com. We appreciate it ahead of time. Thanks for praying for us, for partnering with us, for spreading the good news with us about Jesus Christ and his work in each of our lives. We love you, and we'll catch you next time on Walk in Truth. Tune in tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's series in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 called True Love 2. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.